Did that answer the question for you? What is love? <laughs> I have to say, when I came up with this teaching title, What is Love?, the first thing that stuck in my mind was that song and that video. How about you guys? When you go, what is love? If you've been around for a little bit, seen the Saturday Night Live. So I want to talk about that uh, today in our series, Mad Men. Mad Men, we came up with is the idea of how to take the crazy out of relationships. Because relationships, when they're good, can be awesome. When they're bad, can be crazy, right? So it's mad men and mad women, but we just stole the name from the show. You've probably figured that out, right? But there's crazy women too. So today, though, I want to talk about what is love. And there's so many different opinions, aren't there, about what that is? I love ice cream. It's kind of different, don't you think, than, than what love is. And so a lot of times what our perceptions are. We talk about like love at first sight. A lot of times when we even think of the word love, we think of romantic love, don't we? You know, and the strong feeling or something that kind of overtakes you or overpowers you. And today I want to take a look at what God says about love. And so we're going to continue on kind of our Valentine's theme for that. Anybody sick of Valentine's already? Yeah, a lot of... <laughs> Well, we're not over it yet. We're going to celebrate today a little bit with this, what is love. You know, God describes himself in this section that we're going to be reading where it says God is love. The being of who God is is all about love. So God would have a few wise things, wouldn't you say, to speak on this topic, perhaps? It'd be kind of worth checking out what the Bible says about love. And the, there's a word in the Greek for love in the Bible called agape. And it's a different word from the, the way that we speak of I love ice cream kind of thing. Or I love football. Or whatever it is that you might see. And we're going to look at what the definition of this spiritual kind of love, agape, that's the most powerful love that there is in the world. If we're thinking about different kinds of love. The Bible, there, there are also other words for love in the Bible like Philadelphia love, which is friendship. You like somebody because you just like them. Like you, you, that you like the same things, you know, you both like riding Harleys or, you know, whatever it might be. So um, anyway, but we're, I want to take a look at what this agape is in 1 John 4 and verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is what? Of God. God, it says in the Bible, that God is the originator of this thing called love. It says, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. And that's specifically this word agape because the Bible speaks about the fact that to love with the love of God, you do need God to be the originator of it. It says, he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God for what? God is love. The being of who God is is love. And it says, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us, manifested or made known. This is how we see it. It says that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. You know, it's interesting because one of the most famous verses of scripture is John 3.16, right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so a part of this love 
is God goes first. We're going to see that. But also love is giving. And God demonstrated, it says, the way he made us know that we that he loves us, it says that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or payment for our sins. Anybody ever have a hard time experiencing God's love? You know, part of the thing that breaks my heart is that oftentimes our concept of God is one, a God that's harsh, that's judgmental, that's shaming, that looks at us with disgust. Have you ever thought of God that way? Where just like, sometimes I know people run away from God because they're like, I just feel like I fall short, that God, somehow we need to earn God's love. And in thinking that way, that we feel undeserving. If you've ever experienced that, of just saying, I want to hide. I think that God only loves me if I'm doing all the things that God says I'm supposed to do. That's when God loves me. God's word teaches the opposite, guys. God's word says that he loves us right now without doing anything. It's unconditional. His love is not based on what we do or how we behave. I know it's hard to understand this, but the love that God has for us is beyond any kind of a love a person can have for another person. It's unconditional. It's unrelenting. It's at you all the time, his love, his unconditional love. And it says that the way we even know this is that he gave his only begotten son for us, that that's like the big deal. If you think about that, as far as the demonstration goes, it's even a bigger sacrifice than if you gave your own life for somebody, wouldn't it be? You know, giving the life of your child, and it says his only son. And so part of this, there's even another verse of scripture that says, if God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how should he not freely give us all things? The concept is, if God gave you the thing that he loves and cherishes more than anything, his only begotten son, why would he withhold other good stuff from you? You know, God wants us to keep thinking about that, to remember that, that his love is that big, and that he goes first. It says right here, and it says this over and over again, it's not that we love God, and he's like, oh, you went to church, and you think of all the stuff that you think, oh, this looks, I'm good, I'm a good person. You know, you give money, maybe you you go to church, you do good deeds or what have you. And then God's like, oh, I love you. You're, you're doing you're doing what I like. I love you. It says right here, it's not that we first loved God, but that he loved us. It says and in other parts of the Bible, it says even at our most bottom, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, he gave his only begotten son. And verse 11, it says, beloved. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. In verse 12, it says, no one has seen God at any time. God's invisible, right? No one has seen God at any time, it says. It says, but, look at that. Well, it doesn't say but. I just threw that in there. But um, it says, if we love one another, God abides or lives in us, takes up residency, <laughs> when we love one another, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide, we live in him, and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. We talked about that a few weeks ago, 
God, because of Jesus Christ, gave us his spirit, his nature. And so that's how we are able to have the love, the spiritual love that God has for us that's not conditional. We're going to talk about how can you have that for another person. Obviously, we don't love as perfectly as God, but we can, we can because we've received God's love and because we have Holy Spirit, we can manifest it to other people because we were filled up first. You can't give something that you haven't received. Isn't that true? If you don't got something, how do you give it? So you've got to get it first so you can give it. It says, um, by this we know that we abide. We live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testify that the father hath sent the son as savior of the world. Jeez, uh, why can't I? Sometimes I can't see. Okay, here we go. No, verse 15. It says, whoever confesses that what? Jesus is what? The son of God. Confesses Jesus as the son of God. It says God abides, lives in him, and he in God. That's how it all begins as far as a relationship, is confessing that Jesus is the son of God. And it says in verse 16, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us, and it says, God is love. He who abides in love, that agape love, abides in God and God in him. This love is so big. Jesus said that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said that the love in, in those two verses, loving God and then loving your neighbor, he said you can hang the whole Old Testament all the command you're going to keep like all the commandments it's all about love that's how big this love is um i mean just think about this i love this idea have you some of you have tasted this when you love with god's love which we're going to talk about what that actually looks like cuz it's more than a feeling god ca jesus commands us to love one another you can't command a feeling can you you can't we're going to talk about feelings next week for any of you that love or hate feelings, we'll talk about those and their value and what to do. Next week is how to, how to help feelings be helpful because feelings are actually a good thing. They're not the enemy. And, um, but love has to be more than a feeling or an emotion if Jesus is commanding us to love. So we're going to look at what that is. But it says that when we love with, God, with the love of God, with agape, we live in God. How peaceful is that? Just get an image of what that is, you know, that walking in God's love and experiencing it, ha experiencing God's love for you and loving other people is living and dwelling in God. Have you tasted that sometimes? Some of you have, some of you haven't. I'm telling you, it's, there's serenity in that that's just beyond comprehension. Um, and we're in living in this of, of this love. It says in verse 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, as so are we in this world. It says that we represent Jesus in this world today to show his love. Then in verse 18, I, this is really interesting. There is no what? Fear in love. I want you to think about that. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment or punishment. But he who fears has not been made 
perfect in love. You know, it's interesting because have you ever experienced fear in love? It's not, it's not God's love when that happens. How is it? Because you think about this. You ever been scared to love somebody? Been scared to be hurt? Been scared that they'll take advantage, etc. Put up walls, etc. The love of God, you can love, and we're gonna, I'm going to show you how this works. You can love someone with the love of God and stay safe. Stay where you're not taken advantage of, you're not walked on, etc. because of what the love of God is. Love of God is being for somebody else. The way that God set this up is it's win-win. The way that God's love works, it's, it's you can love unconditionally and have it not do any damage to you, not do any harm to you. We'll take a look at what that is. If it's fear and love, it's not the love of God. Because where's the fear come from? You know, fear of being hurt, fear of not having it reciprocated. You know, think about those things as far as love goes. It's nothing, you have nothing to lose when you love with agape, and we'll go see how that works. And interesting, in Matthew 5, in verse 43, it says, You've heard it, uh, you have heard that it was said. You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, what? Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. So it's really, I want you to think about enemies right now. Everybody's got somebody that you can't stand, right? You're human. It's okay. You know, think about people like you've got people in your life. Think about the people that have hurt you the worst, have betrayed you the most. How is that possible to love your enemies, to love people? It says people that spitefully. Guess what that means? That means on purpose, right? It's not, oops, I accidentally hurt you. It says to bless people. I mean, is that shock anyone? It's just like, what? How? how can we do that? It says... Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully, on purpose, use and persecute you. On purpose, spitefully. It's really been interesting because love, the love of God, is always for another person. Anytime you're for somebody else, it's still going to bless you. You know, boundaries and love go together. We sometimes think, sometimes we think what love is, is you just let people walk all over you, use you, etc. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, we understand this in physical things. We talked about this a little bit with last week with boundaries. We're going to talk about that more, the dating workshop. We talk a lot about boundaries. If you have somebody that you care about and you loan them your brand new automobile and they wreck it drunk driving, is it really loving to the next day turn around and hand them the keys to your brand new car again? Do you see how that's actually hurtful to the person that destroyed your car? Doing things that are for somebody else and being in their corner is how God works. That's what the love of God looks like, is being for someone. So you can have your heart and love somebody and still set boundaries and do things that are healthy for you 
and healthy for them both. That's what real love looks like. Real love doesn't look like, hey, I'm going to allow you to absolutely abuse me and act like it didn't matter and like you're not really doing that, et cetera. Do you know? Because it's not, how is that being for somebody else? Do you know what I'm saying? We're, we're going to see it even in some of these other verses of Scripture. It's always win-win in this as far as why you can love your enemies. You know, it's really been a blessing to me. I've had some uh, betrayals uh, in the last few years, and it really helps to pray for people. Like, I seriously, it helps your heart, helps soften your heart to pray for people because I want them to get blessed. Why wouldn't I? You know, they're my enemies. It says fear hath punishment in it, right? Like wanting people to pay. Having the heart of, like, revenge. I want to see you. It's okay at the beginning. Our natural reaction, you know, before you forgive somebody is, like, they do deserve to pay. The truth is when somebody's hurt you, the way that justice works is they, they should pay for what they did. That's just, and God's a just God. But we, what we do is we're able to let go of that payment and love and forgive someone. But first, you want to acknowledge you owe me. You've wronged me. You stole something. You hurt me. You betrayed me. You lied to me. Whatever it is, you owe to pay me for that. But what forgiveness is, is saying, I know you owe me, but I'm going to let go of the debt because I know that God's forgiven me. I've been forgiven for a lot that I shouldn't be. I'm undeserving of that forgiveness. So I'm going to let it go. And part of this is faith, faith of trusting that God will take care of you. We looked at the record of Joseph last week. He was hurt over and over by the people closest to him. But did you see how God kept providing and taking care of him? And part of that is we have the freedom to love because God will take care of our heart and protect us in it. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And I actually, before, uh, you know, you've heard this. Everybody's heard 1 Corinthians 13, right? They read it at weddings and stuff sometimes, you know. Um, The context of 1 Corinthians 13, it comes between chapter 12 and chapter 14. And 1 Corinthians is all about the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in that section, it says that we have nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit where we can speak in tongues, do miracles, all that. But in the Corinthian church, people were so kind of swept up with the power that they lost why they were doing it and were focusing on kind of thinking that they were hot shots. So they'd like speak in tongues or do prophecy or do healings and be like, hey, I'm a spiritual powerhouse. And it was all kind of ego-driven. And, and that was what was driving it. And so this is in between those two chapters saying, you can do miraculous things for God, but without love, you're just making noise. You know, that we want to be doing. It doesn't matter what miracles you're doing, but love needs to be what drives us in doing this stuff, not just having some big spiritual power thing. So it says, I speak with tongues of men and of angels, speaking in tongues, but do have not love. I just make noise. I have become like sounding brass or clanging cymbal. In verse 2 it says, and though I have, and you see how the gift of is in italics in there? Whenever you see italics in the Bible, it means that it's not the original God-breathed word that the translators added it. And so without that, it says, 
all, and though I have prophecy. We want to read what just God's word says originally, not what some person's opinion is. A lot of people have used this to say that, oh, only certain people get to prophesy. It says, and, and though I have prophesied, prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Would anybody think it would be kind of a big deal to have faith to remove a mountain? Would you think you're a hot shot, maybe? Somebody else is a hot shot? That, wow, that's some faith. You know, Jesus said that if you had faith like a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain, go jump in the river, in the lake, and it'll jump in the lake. That's, it's a figure of speech. Jesus is saying it's not the faith, it's the power of God. But it does take some faith to move a mountain, right, to do miracles. It takes faith. It's saying you can have that much faith, which is a lot of faith. It says, if you don't have love, what does it say? Like, that's how big, do you think that's a figure of speech for emphasis? But have not love, I am what? Nothing. You know, it doesn't say that the, that the miracles are bad. It just says I personally, it's not blessing me. It's not doing anything for me to do great miracles and not have love. You're missing it. Sometimes we, you know, it's just sort of like we do service because we're supposed to, as opposed to just being motivated by love, right? It says in verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods, I give everything, everything I own to feed the poor. That's nice, isn't it? It's nice to do that. And though I give my body to be burned. Wow, that's like sacrificial, correct? You'd be impressed with that big sacrifice. It says, but have not love, what does it say? It profits me nothing. It's not saying that the sacrifices are bad or anything else. It's just like if you're doing it and have not love, it says I, it benefits me nothing. Like I'm not going to get blessed from that. It's really showing you the power of love is huge. And then in verse 4 it says, I want to look at some of these because now we're talking about really specific definitions of what love is. Um, and so, and if you guys want, um, when you're, on the connection card today, if you write teaching notes, we'll send you the Greek words for these so that you can see what they are. The Greek is what the New Testament was translated from um, so that you can see this. But I want to take a look at the definitions of the words because this is being really specific of what love looks like according to God. So the first thing it says, it suffers long. And that word um, suffering long is... It says to not lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in endur enduring misfortunes and troubles, to be patient in bearing the offenses and injuries of others, to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger, slow to punish. So it says that that's what love looks like. Love looks like you put up with people's crap. You know, why? Because guess what? We got some crap is one of the reasons that God overlooks. So that's what love looks like and doesn't, is slow to have people pay. It's slow for revenge or saying you've got to pay for, uh, for what you've done to me. It also um, says is kind. You know, kind is different from nice. We always think love is, well, you just got to be kissy kissy all the time. That's not, it, the Bible says it's not that. It's not, love can sometimes be 
telling somebody, you are off the ball. That was just absolutely mean. You know, if you really love somebody, you would tell somebody that you love, right? It's just like, what were you thinking? We're going to look at that too. It's kind. And then this next one, it says, love does not envy. And that word, it's interesting because the word um, envy in the Greek is zeloo, which means to burn with zeal. And it also, there's some good things to show zeal towards. But this is used in the negative, which means to be heated or to boil with envy, hatred, or anger, to be boiling with that. Envy, hatred, or anger, to just have that fire inside, kind of dark, right, to envy. And then it says, it, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. And it's interesting because parade itself is like to be boastful, um, to extol yourself excessively, you know. And then uh, puffed up is, is it says, um, to inflate, to blow up, to puff up, to be proud, etc. You know, there's no ego in love. A lot of times we protect our hearts, and we've all done it, where you put yourself above somebody else, you know, where you play it off like you're superior. And I don't care what if they've screwed up more or what have you, but relating in a way that we think we're less sinful or something when we're relating to somebody like, I, I, well, I go to church, I don't sin like you, you know, or whatever you might make up, you know, wow, you're just, you know. In relationship, there's just no love in that. It's ego, it's protecting yourself. It's just like, you know, it, there's no place for that in relationships, and there's no need for it either as far as, you know, like putting yourself over another. Do you see, do you see how that kind of protects our heart to, to look like in the comparing kind of way? Um, look down your nose at somebody. Another one, it says, um, does not behave rudely. I think you know what that means. Does not, don't be rude. Uh, does not seek its own, and this is really interesting, seek its own is always like, you don't, again, it's always win-win. You don't have to be selfish to take care of yourself in this. A lot of times the world right now, there's so much promoted about, you got to take care of yourself. Be selfish, like it's good to be selfish. I'm sorry, that's not what my Bible says. You don't need to. You can love with the love of God and still do boundaries, that's loving because for, for one thing is being honest with somebody about their behavior, especially when your heart's in a place of really caring. Sometimes it's hard to have a hard conversation with somebody, isn't it? That's the most loving thing you can do sometimes for somebody. You know, it's the Bible talks about speaking the truth, and we'll see that also in here. It says... Um, It's not puffed up, okay, it's not provoked, you know, like triggers. Like you shouldn't get like easily triggered by things. Part of this too is in relationship is that we have to keep getting filled up with God. If you're not getting filled up by God and his love and allowing God to take care of your heart, you will just go off and be triggered and lose your, lose your tongue, you know, have no control over what you say or being reactive or hurtful. It's not easily provoked, it says, or not provoked. And then this thinks no evil is actually 
is focusing on the bad in somebody else, counting it up, storing resentments or contempt. You know, contempt is, is the thing that is the biggest relationship killer. They say in marriage, you will get a divorce if you start feeding on contempt. You know, and, and it, any married people know it's, it's easy to start going there. You know, we've all done it, people. You know, it's just sort of like, but you want to interrupt that. Contempt is where you're storing up the wrongs in the way that you're looking at somebody until you've judged them as, you know, where you just have, it just, do you know when you start adding that stuff up and you don't let it go and you don't forgive and it just kind of snowballs more and more and more so that you're just disgusted with the person? Just like, oh, you disgust me. Not my husband, he's sexy. <laughs> 14 years, very in love. Contempt is not good. Um, it says, thinks no evil. It's like not focusing on that part of somebody, because you could. In verse 6, it says, does not rejoice in iniquity. And it says, but rejoices in truth. This is really interesting. A lot of times we think... It says, not to rejoice in evil. This makes me think, but to rejoice in truth. This is what I'm saying is, in good, loving relationships, you don't back somebody when they're doing something bad. You ever think that what love is, you're just loyal to somebody no matter what? That, have you ever thought of it that way? Well, oh, we're family, or oh, we're friends. you got to back me up. you got to back me up. Sometimes backing somebody's up saying, you're wrong. Why did you treat that other person that way? It, love doesn't... Act like you take somebody's side just because they're your friend if they're being hurtful to somebody else. I've been in situations. I have somebody um, who was extremely, extremely hurtful to me um, uh, a couple of years ago and just cut me out, wouldn't even let me, like, work it out with them. And it, I was hurt. It was somebody that I cared about for a long time, and they were just, like, kind of shut me out of their life without any kind of, you know, like, can we work it out? Can we talk? No. Like, block me on Facebook, you know. Um. <laughs> so, and then I had this other friend of mine that came up to me and was talking behind the person that had hurt me's back. And I, and I guess they were thinking, well, this person hurt you, so surely you'll side with me. And they're just going on and on. And I was just like, have you told this person that you have all this anger towards them. And he's like, oh, no, they wouldn't hear me anyway. I go, you're just gossiping. That's ridiculous. That's like makes you completely untrustworthy. You haven't told him and you're telling me, you actually, like, did you expect me to back you on this? Like, you're a crappy friend. Like, the, I don't care if the other person was horrible to me. That They don't, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not going to back you up. Just, do you see what I'm saying? Like, real love and real friendship don't rejoice in the evil somebody does and back them up. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, somebody's like cusses somebody out. Hey, they, they had it coming. You, do, you know, really? Just like, come on, you were out of control with your temper. That's like, you know, loyalty is, like, do you see how the way God's love works is everybody should win. You're for everyone. If somebody's doing something that's hurtful to them or to other people, the loving thing is to tell that person. Not, do you see it? Does that make sense? It's so cool this way. It just makes it simple in some ways that we want to be loving towards our friends, not just taking their side when it makes no sense. We want to speak the truth. Isn't that the most loving thing? If so, it's, I always like to think about it like if somebody's got spinach in their teeth, like, right, that's disgusting, right? You ever seen that big hunk of something? 
It's more loving to say something, isn't it? It's just like, get, excuse me, you know, or zip up the pants or, you know, all those kind of things. That's the loving thing to do is the Bible says love is speaking the truth, rejoicing in truth, wanting to help friend. If you really care about somebody, that's the harder thing to do, isn't it? You don't have to be mean or cruel about it, but, you know, just telling people, do you see what I'm saying? Like, if they're off the bat, if they're being hurtful to others, we want to help people that we love in this. That's how we want to back people up, you know, not back up their lies. You ever have somebody lie and expect you back them up because they're, sorry, you're lying. Tell the truth. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to back you up in that. You see how love looks different than just being nice, you know? Let's go to, um, oh, and then the rest of this. This is kind of cool, too. Rejoices in truth. And then in number seven, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And what's kind of cool about that section, too, is like we want to be in the place that no matter what, like we keep looking to God, you know, that we have faith, we have hope, that we don't let other people get us off track in relationship, but, you know, and endures means you just don't run away in relationships. You try and work things out. Unless you're physically in danger or if you're physically being abused or something like that, then maybe you need to say bye or have some distance, you know, if there's some kind of abuse like that going on. But most relationships don't get to that point, do they? You know, we want to be where we hang in. Like our, our thing is let me try and work this out with you including maybe setting boundaries with somebody, but you try and resolve it. You can tell somebody, you've been really hurtful to me, and it makes me want to withdraw from you emotionally. This is boundary setting, you know, but I want to work it out with you. But I'm not going to be able to spend as much time with you if you keep saying those things to me. If you keep saying hurtful, destructive things to me, I might need to make a little space here, and I don't want to do that. I want to be in relationship with you. Do you see what I'm saying? That gives people the opportunity to mend things, to stay in the relationship, to tell them when you're being hurt or when the something's wrong. You give people a chance to fix it, right? Speaking up helps you to, to hang in there in relationships and gives people opportunities. We don't want to be the people that assume, you know, like how is that helpful if somebody doesn't even know that there's a problem and you just flee? You just like check out and go, well, they should have known better that they were being hurtful to me. Did you tell them? I don't know, you know? And then in verse 8, in, in closing, I love this. It says, love what? Never fails. Love what? Never fails. Love what? Never fails. Wow. There is never a time in life that love doesn't work, that love isn't overpower anything. Love is more powerful. The love of God, this kind of love, will always win. God will take care of you. You know, I've been in, I, w I did gang ministry for um, a number of years, and so I was in places that were, like, sometimes physically threatening. There were definitely many times that I could have lost my life in the process. And I just really see this big. I remember once I had somebody that was, um, they're doing time for murder right now, so it just gives you a sense of the, the threat there. And they were really mad at me and wanted me to pay for something I did. And they showed up at my house when I was alone. 
and there were no drapes on the windows and with a whole bunch of OGs and um, there were like a, a big like truckload full. And this person knew that I said, well, if you ever come, t you know, the rule was just don't come to my house unannounced or I will know that it's a threat and I'll call the police. But the thing is, is they saw me in the house and it was too late to do anything. And they're sitting there and I was just going, oh my gosh, I could die like right now or get raped or something. I mean, it was like definitely, there was a definitely a threat there because this person told me later even that they had had a lot of thoughts of how they were going to make me pay. And the car came down and God just, I, I was asking God, I was definitely pretty freaked out. And I was just like, God, what do I do right now? What do I do? Like, I'm just asking God, tell me, you know, how do I get, so God told me to walk out and act like I was super blessed to see them all and just pour on the love. And I walked out, I was like, hi, God bless. And I'm just like, inside I'm like, uh, my life, <laughs> I'm just like terrified. Because I, and, and he, he, the kid that brought everybody um, looked sh pretty shocked because I think he expected me to be angry and say, you know, you're not supposed to be here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, talk about, be angry about what had happened. Uh, and it just, I just saw God's love, man. I just saw like, God just sh said, pour on the love pour on the love, and it saved my life that day. I'm telling you, the love of God never fails. There's power in love that's beyond anything. The power is beyond anything. You know, it can, if there was ever a possibility for there to be hope, for there to be change in someone's life, it's the love of God. It says love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. So I want to talk, talk about this because what's it speaking about? Sometimes this is where people say, oh, see, prophecies, there's no more prophecy, no more tongues. But it says, it's going to tell us what that time is. It says that which is perfect has come, that which will be done away. In verse 11 it says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. In verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, this is when we meet Jesus in the air. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I'm known. And now abideth faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. It's that, it's that, power, it's that powerful. It's love is still going to be around when Jesus comes back and we're face to face. This agape is still going to be around. When Jesus comes back and we're face to face, we're not going to need to prophesy because he's there. We get to just hear from him directly, you know, speaking in tongues, all of that at that time. And we'll see right now in life we see dimly. We don't see everything clearly, do we? We don't understand God fully. But when Jesus comes back, we'll, we'll see it all. It, life will make way more sense. But it says, out of all of that, the most powerful thing is the love of God. Um, I also made a list. If you guys write that you want the teaching notes on your connection cards, we'll email you. I made a list of some really amazing other scriptures because this, this is a big topic. There's not enough time to go into it. But we'll send you those as well. There's a sheet of all kinds of really juicy other things. Um, 
kind of thing. So I'm going to close with prayer, but I want, you know, and next week I'm going to do a really, emo I, I love this topic of emotion. Uh, who likes emotions? Ooh, not that many. Oh, some? Okay. <laughs> who does not like emotions? Uh, oh, okay, okay. little mixed feeling. Okay, a little bit. <laughs> okay, next week, it's one of my favorite topics, actually. God gave us emotions, and they can be enjoyed. If you're not enjoying them now, we'll talk about how you can enjoy them more and how they can actually help bring sanity into your life instead of they, does it ever feel like they bring insanity? Yeah, okay. We'll talk about that next week, but let me close out in prayer. Um, Heavenly Father, I feel so thankful for your love. It truly is that you loved us first uh, with your unconditional love, that we can keep getting filled up by you, that you can take care of us. People do betray us. People do let us down. People do hurt us. But your love will always be there, that we can count on that, that you can cause us, just like the story of Joseph last week, that you can cause us to triumph, 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 and that your love, your unconditional love, that we can have that, that, it, that your love is, there's truth in it, there's grace in it, there's forgiveness in it, there's healing in it, God, that your love never fails. Thank you for this. And help us to manifest your love more uh, to those around us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.